Welcome to the Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. Well, welcome to Keys of the Kingdom. I'm Brother Gregory, and we're going to be talking about the Kingdom of God again. We're, we're, we're talking about Second Corinthians, and we're now in chapter 11, if anybody wants to go to preparing you in. So, we'll get right into it. We're, we've been going through First and Second Corinthians, and we've been setting the scene in First and Second Corinthians at the time of Christ. And just to give you a quick review of Corinthians uh, 10, which we did this morning... Uh, there was a particular word I haven't gone in and and uh, added a little link to it, but uh, I think it was in verse 8 where Paul is talking to Corinthians. He's writing to the Corinthians. He's going to visit. He talks about, you know, what I'm saying now and what I'm going to say when I come there. Uh, but he's actually providing a service. Church service was actually taking care of all the social welfare of the people through faith, hope, and charity. That's the social welfare of the culture and kingdom of Christ. It's the way of Christ. That's what Christianity was called, the way. And they did it all through charity. And that's something that we used to do in America, but we don't do it anymore. Now we do it through men who exercise authority, and we call those men government. So we elect men who are supposed to take away from other people and give to our neighbor, or to ourselves. And we live at the expense of others. Paul is talking about, you know, moving from Corinth to Galatia and Galatia to uh, Macedonia and Macedonia back to Corinth and then back to uh, Israel or to Judea and Jerusalem and carrying funds and supplies because there were a number of difficult times, Doris, that were sweeping across the Roman Empire because of climate change and economic breakdown. A lot of the countries were severely in debt. They had started taking silver out of the Roman silver denarii. Uh, Nero was doing that. And of course, we know when Paul was writing to the Romans, Nero was already in power while Claudius was in power. But then, then soon was, uh, during the same period, Nero took over because the burning of Rome was Nero. We know Paul's Nieces were in Rome at that time, and uh, his uh, half-brother and his, and his wife were in Rome at that time. And they saw the persecution that came when Nero burned Rome. And it's very clear that Nero was responsible for the burning of Rome, although he blamed it on Christians. But historians of the time, like Tacitus, clearly are saying as clearly as they could without getting arrested, because now it was guilty because of the Roman Patriot Act uh, for just being uh, doing something that would seem suspicious. So you could be arrested at the drop of a hat. But anyway, he very clearly says that people were pretty sure that this was... Uh, instituted by the government of Nero to burn Rome. And uh, so anyway, all that was going on, all that intrigue is going on. If you don't know about all that stuff, then when you read the Bible, you're kind of reading it through a glass dimly. But the most important thing in reading the Bible is to have the Holy Spirit in you. And we talked extensively this morning in this morning's shows, all of which will be available at, at uh, hisholychurch.org. We have it at keysofthekingdom.info. 
and uh, preparingyou.com. All of them are websites. Different people work on different ones. I'm actually, I work on a lot of them. What I was going to bring to your attention is the verse 8 in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, where he says, For though I should boast somewhat more of our authority, which the Lord hath given us for edification and not for your destruction, I should not be ashamed. Not for your destruction. How would he give them authority for their destruction? What word does he use there in the Greek for authority? Well, I can tell you. (laughs) If you go to Romans 13, let every man be subject to the higher, superior authority or power. Sometimes they translate it power, sometimes they translate it authority. But it's the same word in both places. It's the same word here. It's also translated liberty. Because that's what he's talking about. The liberty that was appointed to the apostles and to Christians by Christ as the king of Judea, the king of Judea, the king of Judea, so that you could sign up. You had to sign up with somebody to be a part of some welfare system, but you could sign up with the king of Judea or you could sign up with the Parthenos or someone that you had to because otherwise you would fall on the... uh, uh, good graces of the government. You'd be in the streets. You'd be poor. I mean, they could arrest you for being a vagrant. You had no means of support. And you were not connected to any temple anywhere that would take care of your needs if you fell on hard times. So, they could arrest you and export you out of Rome. Out of Corinth. Out of many of these city-states. Because... They didn't want a bunch of bums hanging around living on the streets like they were in Los Angeles. Of course, those guys living on the streets in Los Angeles. If you went through a survey of all the people living on the streets and all the homeless people living on the streets in Los Angeles, you would find out that a vast number of them, a large number of them, maybe the vast majority of them are getting a government check. But a government check goes a lot farther if you're not renting a place. And the weather's not that bad. So you put up a tent. costs you a couple hundred dollars to put up a tent. You live in a tent. Your buddy watches the tent. And then you, your money goes a lot farther. That government check goes a lot farther. And then you can go to food kitchens and welfare. And then maybe you can do a little drugs, a little prostitution, pick up some extra cash. They're just working the system. Now... Amongst all those people doing that, there are some people that are really maybe mentally delusioned or have some sort of difficulty or maybe sometimes even a handicap. But there really is no need for that. But these people are often just working the system. There are people that could need help, but how do you find them and who should be taking care of them? Well, if you want the government to take care of them, they're going to approach the problem with the same gusto and efficiency as you see in every other bureaucracy across the world. And uh, I was just listening to somebody talking about uh, public schools in India. And some of the poorest of poor are sending their kids to private schools. Cost them a dollar 
I don't know if it's a dollar a day or like a dollar a week or a dollar a month, but it's, it's some ridiculously low amount by our standards. But it's a sizable contribution that they have to make. But they're setting up these private schools and the kids are learning. They go to the public school and sometimes the teachers don't show up for months at a time. The inspectors come by, but it's cheaper to pay the inspector than to actually show up and do the work. Bureaucratic corruption. It's And it appears wherever you have a caste system. And they have a caste system. They have a caste system in England, so it actually appears there to some degree as well. And we're getting to that point here in America. And uh, the fact is, your kids are not learning what they could be learning if you home taught them. Even if you're you're not, I know people who home taught their kids, and they never had a high school education, and English was not their first language and their kids were smarter than the kids graduating from uh, high school even smarter than some of the kids graduating from college but anyway the fact is is paul was a government he was part of it he uses words all the time that are specifically designed for government even the word ecclesia means the called out of the government the government gets so corrupt they call out the leaders of the government and those who come out to reorganize that government are the ecclesia and that's what we call church this was a new government jesus says i'm going to take the kingdom away from you guys who are not bearing fruit and they're not bearing fruit because it set up a system of social welfare that operated by force And John the Baptist was setting up a system that operated by charity. And Christ continued that work. Uh, Paul continued that work. Peter continued that work. And James continued that work. And all the church was doing that. And they became private religion. And because some of the early Jews who were Christians signed up for Christianity and not for the temples in Rome, they were cast out by Claudius. So that, and when that happened, they got a lot of bad press. People actually said they were atheists because they weren't signing up with any of the known gods. They said, well, our, our God is in heaven. He's the God without a name. You can call him Yahweh or something, but that's not really his name. And they say, Christ is our God and our king. And of course, Christ always pointed to the Father, but he did appoint a church, and a called out group that he trained up, called out and appointed them, and they began to operate a system of social welfare, not through golden temples, but through a, the golden rule. Do unto others as you would have others do unto you. And so this is what he was doing. And so he's telling you right there, and they translated authority here, other places they translated liberty. But this is the liberty or your right to choose. If you sign up with the Parthenos, they will tell you how much you had to contribute. If you signed up with the temple built by Herod, they would have Gabi and Molkai tax collectors coming by, counting the Cummins branches in your windowsill, count, pacing off your crops, looking at how many fish you caught, and saying how much you owe in taxes. And that was making the word of God to none effect because you were not operating by faith, hope, and charity. Christ teaching us how to operate a government of liberty. Peter told you that if you go the covetous way, this way of forced contributions, 
what they call transferism, just the ways of wickedness, <laughs> the ways of iniquity, then you're going to end up under a tyrant. It's going to change your character and it's going to make you subject to the first tyrant that comes along. And so you want to solve the problem of loss of freedom. I listened to the program a little bit that was just before us and I, he even introduced that we would be coming on and um, I can't remember his name. It's Guru something program <laughs> for some reason. I just found out about it today. I didn't even know about it and I'm terrible at remembering names and stuff. I've got it here somewhere. But anyway... You know, he introduced that we would be coming on next. And he was looking at, you know, constitutionalists and anti-constitutionalists and a lot of the stuff that's going on in the news. And I didn't get to listen to the whole show, but, you know, he had some common sense thing. I'm not a constitutionalist. I'm not an anti-constitutionalist. I studied the Constitution. I read the Constitution. I understand pretty much how the Constitution operates. But I also know, and so did the Founding Fathers know, there are shortcomings in the Constitution. It only works for a moral people. And a people who covet their neighbor's goods through the power of government and give to government the power to choose how much you're going to contribute and where it's going to go, to give them that power is not a moral people. It's a covetous people. And it will make you merchandise, which is what Peter says. And is exactly what has happened. And what you, what Christ was saying, what John the Baptist was saying, what Paul was saying, is you have to repent, think a different way. And you have to start becoming that social welfare of righteousness rather than that social welfare system of greed, covetousness, covetousness wantonness, lasciviousness, which is what Rome was doing and becoming. And it was altering the character of the people and it was spelling the doom of the Roman Empire. We talked this morning that, you know, this extensive study that actually was several of these studies looking at cultures throughout history and they noticed that at one point, lots of these cultures that were monogamous and and, and believed that uh, children, young people should not be having sexual relationships until... They're married and so they had this monogamous and marriage was for life and you didn't cheat on one another. They had that built into their culture. They lasted for hundreds and hundreds of years. But when they had a sexual revolution where all of a sudden you didn't need to do that and it was old fashioned and we don't have to worry about that. And the parents didn't know how to even stand up to that. because Why? Because there was already a moral breakdown in the parents. They said you you didn't have more than three generations and the entire society would collapse. Well, why couldn't the Christian majority, when this was taking place, overcome it? Because they were already losing eyes to see and ears to hear. How come they were losing eyes to see and ears to hear? They didn't know how to deal with this sexual revolution. How to uh, fight against it. Because we war not against flesh and blood. But there should have been some way where we could have exposed the fallacies and foolishness of that. But we were unable to do it. Why? Because we had already decided that it was okay to take from our neighbors through a social welfare system run by men who call themselves benefactors, but only exercise authority one over the other. 
Christ was training up ministers to be the benefactors of the people, to rightly divide the bread from house to house, to take care of the poor and needy of society, but only through charity, through what Paul will eventually call the perfect law of liberty. If you don't take care of your nation through the perfect law of liberty, through charity, you're not going to stay free. I don't care whether you think the Constitution is the answer for you or not. You're not going to stay free as a society. You're not going to stay viable as a society. And you will culturally collapse. And you'll be overrun. People worry about, you know, the Muslims coming in and bringing their culture and other cultures coming in and everything. And I guess they're supposed to be uh, phobic about it. People are supposed... The reality, if all those people out there who were saying they were Christians were actually doing what Christ said... There would be no threat to the United States, to the people of America, by these strange cultures and philosophies. But the fact is, you've walked away from the ways of Christ for generations now. And now, a strong delusion has come that you believe a lie, that you actually think you're saved when you're actually workers of iniquity. Something Christ prophesied, something Peter prophesied, something Paul warned you against, something James preached against. But people don't know this because your ministers are in the same delusion. And you're in this echo chamber of self-righteousness, avoiding true righteousness all the time. And of course, that's what Paul was talking about in Second um, Corinthians Ten, he was talking about this self-righteousness of the people in literally an echo chamber. He didn't use the word echo chamber, but that's literally what he was talking about is the people in this echo chamber of self-righteousness when he's talking, let's see, where did he put that? I was trying to think of the exact words that he puts. Uh, it would be in verse 12. For we dare not make ourselves of the number or compare ourselves with some that commend themselves, you know, boast of themselves. But they measuring themselves by themselves, that's in that echo chamber, and comparing themselves amongst themselves are not wise. And that's that's what we see today that, you know, they can't see the problem, they're blind. They, they don't have eyes to see. They can't see. And this all comes from vanity. So that's why Christ is preaching humility. Christ is preaching forgiveness. Christ is preaching to, to give to others, to sacrifice for others, to lay down your life for others. You can't do that without humility. And when you try to do that, you're coming, you're going to become face to face. You're going to come face to face with your own lack of righteousness. But that's what you're seeking, the kingdom of God and the righteousness of God. And so when you come face to face with that, you can accept that, forgive yourself, and step up, rise up, and do what Christ was requiring. I never did get into the side panel on uh, the page Second Corinthians 10. I've got a lot of links there ministering to the saints and and uh, tithing was always a voluntary choice. It, it, taxes are not a voluntary choice. Tithing was you choose. In order to do that on any national or international basis, you had to approach things uh, a little bit different way. 
I, I can still see. But I'm going to put a live link in there to that word that they say is authority and actually means liberty. And you can check it out for yourself. And I'm going to fix a few other things on that page. But let's go ahead and get into 2 Corinthians 11. Because we're trying to get through the whole Corinthians so that we can go on to some other projects that we're working on to try to awaken you to the way the early church even operates. Uh, the first chapter, or the first paragraph of that chapter 11 in 2 Corinthians, I entitled, just to help you navigate around all the chapters, that's just to help navigate around because it's one letter, there are no chapters in a letter that you write. We put those in after the fact. But it helps you organize where you're at. But you should never forget, or you never start reading any one verse outside of the context of the whole letter. Or outside of the context of the whole documentation of Paul's teaching. Do not take Paul out of the context of Paul. And certainly never take Paul out of the context of Jesus Christ. Preacheth another Jesus. That's the title. Verse 1, would to God ye could bear with me a little in my folly. And indeed, bear with me. So he wants you to bear with him indeed. Actually, indeed, if you look at the Greek, in what you do. For I am jealous over you with a godly jealousy. For I have espoused you to one husband that I may present you As a chaste virgin to Christ. Remember there is only one denomination. Of the church established by Jesus Christ. And that denominator is Christ. We have lots of people who tell you about Christ. Create an image of Christ. And we talked about that this morning. You have to get rid of your imagination. Your vain imagination. Stop worshipping the image of Christ you created in your mind. And really get to know the real Christ. I'm sure you know some aspects of his character, but are you, if you leave out one aspect of the gospel of the kingdom, the gospel you preach is a lie. Because that's the definition of a lie. To remove part of the truth turns the truth into a lie. So, verse 3, but I fear lest by any means as the serpent beguiled Eve, through his subtlety, so your mind should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. For if he that cometh preaches another Jesus, somebody else who's not what Jesus is preaching, not what Jesus is saying, not what Jesus is trying to tell you, whom we have not preached, or if ye receive another spirit which ye have not received, or another gospel which ye have not accepted, ye might well bear with him. So what 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 kind of Jesus do you believe in? Do you believe in a Jesus who said we are not to be like the governments of the Gentiles who exercise authority one over the other, but call ourselves benefactors, but we're supposed to be taking care of one another through faith, hope, and charity and the perfect law of liberty by sitting down, and another thing that he commanded is sitting down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands for the purposes of taking care of one another. Are we doing that? Because that's what he commanded. But people aren't told that by their minister and they have more faith in their minister than the actual factual text. 
that has come down to us. And ultimately, so I go to the text and show you that the churches are not doing what the early church did. As a matter of fact, they're doing what the Pharisees were doing. So, they need to turn around. Now, will your minister turn around and preach the fullness of the gospel? The simplicity of the gospel? Or will he keep deluding you, keep feeding the delusion so that you don't actually repent of the very thing that the Pharisees had to repent of or the kingdom would be taken away from them. And that was that they were making the word of God to no effect with their Corbin. So the, the next paragraph is, I robbed other churches. So did he rob other churches? For I suppose I was not a whit behind the very chiefest apostle. But though I be rude in speech, yet not in knowledge, but we have been thoroughly made manifest among you in all things. So they know what Paul is doing. And when he says we, he's talking about Timothy and the other apostles that are out there doing the job. And so they know what he's been doing. Have I committed an offense in abasing myself that ye might be exalted because I have preached to you the gospel of God freely. The gospel of God is that we have turned away, we've repented, turned away from the ways of force and turned towards the ways of charity. That's that's accepting the gospel of Christ. And to accept the full gospel of Christ, you have to be doing the other things that Christ said to do. The preachers have to be doing what he said to do. The people have to be doing what he said to do. And Paul just said that in the last chapter. Not just him, but you also. I robbed the churches, taking wages of them to do you service. And when I was present with you and wanted, I was chargeable to no man. For that which was lacking to me, the brethren which came from Macedonia supplied. Because he had been there before with the brothers from Macedonia. He's writing this letter probably from Macedonia. And in all things I have kept myself from being burdensome unto you. And so will I keep myself. As the truth of Christ is in me, no man shall stop me. Of his boasting in the regions of Achaia. Because that's also Achaia. You know, that's the Greek in, Greek area. We talked about that before. And he had been there all over that area as well. Because it wasn't just like one church here, one church there. It was tens, fifties, hundreds, thousands by groups of ten. Because it says ranks upon ranks. And that means you put together a group of ten and then they get together with nine other groups like that and then they pick a minister and then he ties them all together with another thousand or so people or a thousand or so families. And this is how they created a social welfare system of charity. And, and unless you do that, I don't know how you could create that social welfare system of charity. This idea of going off and being a home church. Great idea. The early church was all meeting in homes and everything. With small, intimate congregations. And then you could talk over things like you're having trouble with your marriage. You're having trouble with your kids. You're having trouble with your business. You're having trouble. You become a viable community of people helping each other. This 
This alters you the same as looking to the government for benefits at the expense of your neighbor alters you. But that's what you want is you want to be altered back the other way. And the more you invest in your neighbor, the more God will invest in you. The more he will open up your eyes, the more the scales will come off. But you have to care about neighbors you don't even know. And that's why the vast network that was set up by the Christians, by Christ really, and then continued by all these different ministers, and why Paul could travel from one city-state to another all over Greece to one village after another, and they knew, oh, yeah, we've got a group over here, we got a group over there. And it's not just a group. I was just talking to somebody today who says, this tens of thousands won't work with people out here. Well, actually, people out here are closer a lot of times than the people in the city. No, it takes repentant people. The same as what I was saying at the beginning of the show. The Constitution won't work with immoral people. And I didn't make that up. I mean, it was Adam said it before I was even thought about. <laughs> so Long before me. The Constitution is only written for immoral people. It's not written for people that covet their neighbor's goods. So you have to change and repent and do something different. And yeah, tens of hundreds of thousands don't just work for people who are self-righteous. It works for people who are seeking the righteousness of God. And unfortunately, a lot of churches are catering to people who want to feel self-righteous. I belong to this church. I belong to that church. No, doesn't cut it. Sorry, you're you're getting yourself into more and more trouble. So he goes on to say, Wherefore, because I love you not... God knoweth, but what I do that I will do that I may cut off occasion from them which desire occasion that wherein they glory they may be found even as we. For such are false apostles, deceitful workers. So they were having trouble with this back then. Transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ and no marvel For Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Therefore, it is no great thing if his, Satan's, that's who he's talking about, ministers also be transformed as the ministers of righteousness, whose ends shall be according to their works. And what he's prophesying right then of events that we would see unfold in history. At least I've seen them. I've written about them in the Christian conflict. If you go read the article in Christian conflict. they Because it shows you what the Christians were being tried for. What their crime was and their defense against whatever this supposed crime was. They said, they were saying that this idea of living by faith, hope, and charity and not signing up with the Roman welfare system was evil. That's why they call them atheists, because they didn't accept the gods of the Roman genius, the Roman imperial cult, they actually call it. We have an article on that. They wouldn't sign up with us because they trust in the God of heaven who said love one another and hope that one another is there for you because he's creating bonds of a society that will last forever and ever and ever and it did for those who followed that way most people haven't followed that way those of you who want to repent of course we were told there'd be this great falling away because Satan is pretty clever the adversary is pretty clever and he's got all these people out there trying to tell you that it's oh no it's okay to covet your neighbor's goods to the agency of government. 
As long as you accept Jesus. Well, I don't know what Jesus they're talking about. But the Jesus I'm telling you about said, no, it's not okay. As a matter of fact, he said you're not to be that way with you. But they're saying it's okay to be that way now. But they're not real Christians. And so you just have to realize this and repent and turn around and go the other way. So anyway, it's time for a break. Be right back. Okay, well, welcome back. Well, I found a couple. I found uh, the one for the guy who mentioned us at the end of his show, (laughs) Uh, which they refer to as the Pilgrim Show. Pilgrim Guru, I think is the name. But uh, anyway... So we're back and we're still looking at Second Corinthians and what we need to understand is this idea that this way needs to be followed by those who really are following Christ or they're not really following Christ. And a lot of people are not following the way of Christ because they're not being taught the way of Christ. I don't know who will eventually repent and, and follow the ways of Christ, but that's what we should be doing. So, the next paragraph, we finished up the other one with uh, Satan's ministers also be transformed as the ministers of righteousness. They actually present themselves as ministers of righteousness. They persecute those people who operate by faith, hope, and charity. Now, we're not to that point right now. If you do it right, there's no reason anybody should be persecuted. But it is it is a major change in your life to turn around and start looking this other direction. And it's a process. It doesn't just happen overnight. So first, and of course we know that Christ taught, started with repent, think a different way. He, he spoke against the Corbin, which was the social welfare system run through the temple of Herod that operated by forced contributions. You can go back to Samuel 8 and, uh, and the articles on foolishness of Saul, uh, and, and see very clearly. That this idea of forced contributions will start for taking care of the needs of society, even defense, is going to take you down another road. It's going to cloud your view and your vision so that you go down another road. And then you won't see the other things that they trap you into and get you involved into. So you won't have the character to, to deal with uh, a sexual revolution that is going to destroy your nation. The the import of all kinds of ideas. I mean, if all welfare to forced contributions was shut off right now, of course, nobody's going to agree to that. Well, I mean, very few would. You can shut it off for you, but I recommend that you sit down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands because you may need help. Don't be stupid. Like some of these people who forsake the gathering together and run off and in their own self-righteousness say, oh, I figured out the Bible. You know, it doesn't say anything in there about a network. I don't know what tens, fifties, hundreds, a thousand. Same guy who said that. Nothing in there about network. Said that Christ didn't say that we had to sit down in the tens, fifties, hundreds, and thousands. Yeah, he did. <laughs> you just... Just when you read it, you skip over it because you're not led by the Holy Spirit. You're led by your own vanity. I didn't see it. I read stuff for years. I saw all kinds of things that I never saw when they were training me back in, you know, when I was going to St. Joseph's College. They didn't tell me these things. I'd raise my hands and say, what about this? But they didn't tell me the, the answers. They didn't give me satisfactory answers. And so then when I began to study on my own, I started saying, oh my gosh. And I started seeing things. And then I'd start picking up the book and I would say, like, what do you want to show me today? 
And, and he would actually bring me other books. God would provide other books. And I, I don't buy books. I, I said that to the beginning. Okay, I'll do this, Lord. I'll write all this stuff and say all these words. But I'm not going to... I, I, I can't afford to buy books. I didn't, say, I didn't tell God I'm not going to do it. <laughs> I just said, I, I don't have the money. I, I'm, I'm living on the desert. Raising my family. And, and I felt the answer was, that's okay. I'll, I'll have people send them to you. And they sent them. But then they sent me so many, I couldn't even read them all. I thought like, how do I do this? And so I just fanned through the book until I see a piece of paper that looks good. Because <laughs> I can't read them as I'm fanning through. And he says, so look at this page. And I look at that page and sure enough, right there. It's almost like a, a flashlight highlighting it. And it helped me write lots of books. And I'm writing others, but I have to go according to the leading of the Spirit. And what God wants to see is you listening to the cries of your neighbor. I'm not, I, I'm limited in what I'm allowed to share with you. We've shared an awful lot. Nobody should complain that I haven't given them enough. They haven't studied what I've got out there and what we've set up and all kinds of web pages and, and, and different URLs. But, and, and lots of different formats, so you can listen to audios, you know, Keys of the Kingdom, audios, all kinds of things, you know, just uh, podcasts. But you have to start listening for the cries of others, and there's no way to do that without sitting down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands. Just driving around and occasionally helping somebody with a flat tire is not kingdom enough. That's great that you did that, but that's not what the kingdom is about. So anyway, so we have to turn around, repent, and go the other way. So what is this, I speak foolishly? He says in verse 16, I say again, let no man think me a fool. If otherwise, yet as a fool receive me, that I may boast myself a little, that which I speak, I speak it not after the Lord, but as it were foolishly. In the confidence of boasting. Seeing that many glory after the flesh, I will glory also. For ye suffer fools gladly, seeing ye yourself are wise. Okay, maybe I should have said at the beginning of this, maybe I should name this paragraph sarcasm alert. (laughs) Paul's being sarcastic here. You know, you guys are all boasting, I should boast. Y'all glory after the flesh, so I guess I should also. For ye suffer fools, you listen to fools, seeing yourself as wise. He just said up here that you're not wise, you know, back in the previous chapter. Because you're in this little echo chamber where you say, yeah, I'm saved. When were you saved? I was saved in April. Oh, I was saved in May. You know, no. If you're not doing what Christ said, and every one of the apostles warned you, one place or another, warned you to check your faith. And I just read where Paul was warning that you need to think again. And and this is why I'm pointing this out. He says, For ye suffer it, a man bring you into bondage, if a man devour you. What? How does a man devour you? You think yourself wise, but he devours your mind, he devours your thinking, he's devoured. You are merchandise. This is why I wrote the book Covenants of the Gods. You are in the bondage of Egypt. Very clearly. I, I quote the law. I show you the law. I just was talking to somebody today again. 
that they're talking about slavery and stuff like that. What is slavery? You know, slaves got paid. Did you know that? Most slaves got paid. They didn't get paid very much. They didn't get paid for the full value of their labor, but they got paid. They couldn't move around because they were in debt, because they were bought out of the slave ship. And who sold them in the shape? Some black guy in Africa sold them into slavery. It wasn't us selling them into slavery. It was black people in Africa. And they probably sold them to a Muslim. And then the Muslims sold them to some English shipment who sold them to whoever wanted to buy And most of the people sold out of Africa did not come to America. And only about 4% of Americans ever even owned slaves. This was... You know, we made a big deal about the Civil War ending slavery. But there wasn't much slavery going on in America compared to a lot of other places. And the same, I could say, to some degree in England. But the reality is that most of the people in England were not free men. They were subjects. That's why they call them subjects. But what is slavery? Slavery is when you work... And somebody else gets to take away the profit by force. Do you know any place where that's going on? Just about everywhere in the world. We don't call it slavery. It's actually a technical term. It would be a core V system of statutory bondage. If you want to know what a core V is, you can look it up on our website because we tell you at preparingyou.com. We define it. We show you where we get it. Slavery was not really a big thing in Egypt. Did you know that? Uh, Egyptian historians say that slavery was never a big deal in Egypt because they had this vast system of corvi where the people owed a portion of their labor. It was 20% of your labor you owed to the government. They were to take care of welfare, but they, they, of course, they get to tell you how much they're going to take care of welfare. But you were in the corvi. A portion of your labor belonged to the state. That's a corvi. Now, when they make a movie about it, you're in bondage. You're slaves in Egypt. You know, they say the word slave, but that's not really technically correct. They sold themselves into a contractual relationship and bondage. That's what they've done. And that's, of course, why the in the Ten Commandments it tells you to make no covenants with their gods because you're going to end up... You know, don't swear any oaths. Jesus says, swear not because it's cometh of evil. And James says, above all else, stop the taking of oaths. Why are you taking oaths? To get benefits. <laughs> so anyway. Uh, but that's, that's, you're back in the bondage of Egypt, except you're not subject to just 20%. You're almost 20% just with Social Security. You're also got a income tax and sales tax and property tax. And I mean, you're taxed way more than the peasants of, uh, of Tsarist Russia. So he says, I say again, let no man think me a fool. And he says, because you, you, although I should be, because you like to listen to fools. Who what? For ye suffer if a man bring you into bondage, if a man devour you, if a man take of you, if a man exalt himself, if a man smite you on the face. I speak as concerning reproach. See, that's back he's telling you this sarcasm. I'm reproaching you. As though we had been weak, how be it whereinsoever any is bold. I speak foolishly. I am bold also. So anyway, he's, he's, he's speaking in sarcasm to get you the idea. You know, he, he's, they say very clearly 
Be careful you do not bite one another, lest ye be devoured. In other words, you don't want to get even a little benefits from people who exercise authority because what you're doing is biting your neighbor. You're taking a bite out of them when you take from them through those men who exercise authority. You do that very much and you will be devoured. Seeking the kingdom of God is going the other way. Trying to do more and more by charity and less and less by force. It's that process. So verse 22. Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they the seed of Abraham? So am I. Are they ministers of Christ? He doesn't say. He says, I speak as a fool. So again, sarcasm alert. I am more. And labors more abundant. And stripes above measure. In prisons more frequent. In deaths oft. You know, uh, dealing with the threat of death. Of the Jews, five times received of forty stripes, save one. Thrice was I beaten with rods. Once was I stoned. Thrice I suffered shipwreck. A night and a day I have been in the deep. In journeys often in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils of mine own countrymen, in perils by the heathen, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false Hebrew uh, brethren, excuse me, false brethren. In weariness and in painfulness, in watchings often, in hunger and thirst, in fasting often, in cold and nakedness, besides those things that are without that which cometh upon me daily, the care of all the churches. So he's, and he's still moving funds around to be the FEMA, the Faith Emergency Ministry Auxiliary for all the churches. Who is weak, and I am not weak. Who is offended, and I burn not. If and I, I don't get angry. If I must needs glory, I will glory of the things which concern my infirmities. The God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which is blessed for every evermore, knoweth that I lie not. In Damascus, the governor under Aretas, the king, kept the city of Damascusian with a garrison desirous to apprehend me. And through a window in a basket was I let down by the wall and escaped his hands. So he's saying, you know, this has been a rough road, but, you know, he's actually... Kind of t- trying to get them to realize, you know, I haven't taken any money from you guys. I didn't want to be a burden from you guys. But I'm working here. And he's writing it down. He's making a record. I'm doing these things. You know, you should... And the other ministers are doing the same kind of thing. Suffering the same kind of thing. In order to become that social welfare of Christ. A righteous social welfare that is dependent upon charity rather than force. Is that where you're going? Is that what you're striving for? Is that what your minister is striving for? Your ministers live of the world. 
They go and get their Social Security benefits from a bankrupt system. Social Security has been bankrupt since the beginning. We show this very clearly by Supreme Court rulings and by the actual records of the government. The reason they started Social Security is they were bankrupt. They needed more assets. They needed more collateral for the debt because the Federal Reserve was not going to loan any more money without more collateral. Well, when you signed up for Social Security, your parents and your grandparents signed up for Social Security, they became collateral for the debt. You don't believe me? Just go read the Social Security Act. Just go read it and find out what they're talking about. Yeah, you're going to have to pay a Social Security tax like 3%, 1.5% back then. And for other purposes. Well, that's when you entered into the Core B. And your parents and your grandparents were doing this and it blinded them. So they, could, they couldn't deal with the sexual revolution. They couldn't deal with the war on poverty. War on poverty has been the war on the poor. It, it was actually created by Lyndon Baines Johnson to make the poor dependent upon him. It's an old Sodom and Gomorrah trick. It's Nimrod did the same thing to weaken the people. Polybius wrote about it, but you don't know history. Some of these guys actually know history. The spirit that they serve knows the history and maybe just encourages. They may not actually know the facts of history, but they knew it would weaken the people. And it has done exactly that, weaken the people. And that's where people are today. Is they're back in the bondage of Egypt. They're back under the Nimrods and Canes and Caesars and Pharaohs of the world. They have been made merchandise just as Peter predicted through their covetous practice. Not because, oh, the wicked bankers, oh, the wicked government, oh, the fraud. It wasn't that. It was our covetousness. If you want to be free, you have to move away from the idea that coveting your neighbor's goods is okay. And you have to move to the ideas of Christ where you are supposed to be living by charity and helping one another. The ideas of John the Baptist, that if your neighbor has needs, you help him out. But what neighbor do you help out? Other people that are working the same way. That are going the same way. And that's what baptism was all about. It was saying, I'm going to go the way that John the Baptist is talking about. I'm not going to go the way of force. I'm going to go the way of charity. I'm going to start helping my neighbor. Well, how, how do you do this? You, you're all in a church with 500, 1,000, 2,000 people. No, you're in, you organize yourselves in ranks of tens, fifties, hundreds, and thousands. Same way as the French underground did. Get my drift. Same way that the early church was when they had to hide out in catacombs. And where suddenly 14,000 families could be kicked out of Rome. Because they wouldn't sign up for the government welfare system run through the temples of Rome. It's, it's, it's right in front of you. It's always been in the text. But nobody told you the history. As a matter of fact, they have designed to keep the history from you so you did not understand the text. But I ask you to ask yourselves, why didn't you understand the text? Why couldn't you see? Some of you are willing to say, you know... Yeah, this is it. Well, then join the network. So, we're we're going to go on. We're running out of time here. But, uh, like I say, I always like to get into the next chapter to remind you there are no chapters in a letter. It's all one letter. All one guy. To the Corinthians. Not to you. To the Corinthians. 
So what he says has to do with the Corinthians. When you understand the Corinthians and you understand Paul, you understand that he was a lawyer, you understand that he was a Pharisee and that he repented of some of the foolishness of the Pharisaical approach to the Mosaic law, where they're, they're worried about all the jots and tittles and, and the, the little rituals, but then they go out and they covet their neighbor's goods to the agency of men like Caesar. I mean, when Jesus said, I'm going to take the kingdom away from you, how do you think he was going to do that? Out of their own mouth, he was going to take the kingdom away from them. That's what it says. It says that, you know, if you read the Bible, it says out of their own mouth, they will convict themselves. So how do they do this? We have no king but Caesar. We have no king but Caesar. We have no king but Caesar. They're out. They're not Jews anymore. I mean, by heritage, but they're not. Their their king is Caesar. They have no king but Caesar. They said it right there. They just they stepped out of the kingdom. All those who said Jesus Christ is the king, many of them continuing to practice many of the rituals of the Pharisees, but now the simplicity of Christ, the simplicity of Moses, they were going to love one another. They were going to take care of one another through charity, not through force. They were the true Jews and the true Christians because they were following the true king of the Jews. King of the Jews. King of the Jews. But we call them Christians now. But unfortunately, we're calling a lot of people Christians who are actually workers of iniquity and are not doing what Christ said. So anyway, the the first verse of chapter 12 starts out, It is not expedient for me, doubtless to glory. You know, to accept the credit. I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord. I knew a man in Christ above 14 years ago, whether in the body I cannot tell, of whether out of the body I cannot tell. God knoweth. Such an one caught up to the third heavens, and I knew such a man. Whether in the body or out of the body, I cannot tell. God knoweth. How that he was caught up into paradise and heard unspeakable words, which it is not lawful for a man to utter. This is getting into some sort of strange mystical explanation. Now, why does he all of a sudden shift over to that? That is where we all need to go. We may not see some guy that we don't know if they're in their body or not, but we need the divine revelation of God writing upon our hearts and upon our minds to understand, to see, to perceive the truth. Because God gives us eyes to see and ears to hear. And, you know, whether you believe it or not, that's actually, it is that revelation by which you're going to know what is true. I am just trying to tear down the strongholds of your mind with the fallacies and foolishnesses of the interpretations that men have given you. And I want you to repent of that and turn around and go the other way. But that will be up to you. Join us on the network at Keys of the Kingdom. Well, the best place is to go to uh, hisholychurch.org or preparingyou.com and join the network there. And... uh and we'll take you with us as we seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Till then, peace on your house and may God be with you. God bless. 
You have been listening to The Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. For more information on the educational ministry provided by His Holy Church and Brother Gregory, including services, counseling, lectures, books, and other audio materials, please write to His Church at Summer Lake, Box 10, Summer Lake, Oregon, 97640. You can also find us on the web at www.hisholychurch.net.